0: Then,
1: children of the night,
0: what music they make. They're coming to get you, Barbara. they here. Ah. Welcome to my
1: nightmare. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Oh, no! kill you all. Do you want to die tonight? You don't know what death is. We be belong Here's Johnny. <laughs> I shot him six times. I'm on your butt. Time
0: for your life! Yeah. <laughs> to a new world of parts and monsters. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Pods and Monsters. My name is Robert, and with me is Inthea.
1: Hello, this is Pods and Monsters. We are a monster movie podcast where we talk about monster movies, horror movies, any movie we really want, and discuss them and have little uh, you were gayless with the uh, trivia and uh, <laughs> and production information.
0: That is true. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about a universal classic. Mm -hmm. There's lots of universal classics. Yeah, all of them are, aren't (laughs) they? I guess so, yeah. (laughs) And this one is from 1940, and it's a sequel to The Mummy, and it's called The Mummy's Hand. If you were to kill me, you're leaving at large a monster that only I can control. So the mummy's hand, We, uh, I know you've seen the mummy since we did an episode on it. Yes. Have you seen the mummy's hand? No. Did you know anything about it? No. Did you know the mummy has a hand?
1: I mean, I've seen them both. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Are they crusty? Are yeah. they old?
1: Yeah. They're pretty decrepit. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about that hand in the mummy's hand.
1: alive. Are you going to tell me what the mummy's hand refers to? Is this like the mummy's hand is the person that's helping the mummy? You know, I I was thinking
0: about that. What is the mummy's hand? Are we talking about a physical hand?
1: No. (laughs)
0: I I think the mummy's hand means uh, the mummy's force. You know, like when you have hand, you, uh, yeah. you're you powerful.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh.
0: Things like that. That, that. That's my take on it, at least.
1: Okay. Well, we'll never know. Yeah. We'll yeah. literally never know. Someone might tell us, but we'll never, ever know.
0: So how does the mummy's hand begin? Uh, don't tell me with an arm leading to the hand.
1: Oh, gosh. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> we have uh, the fancy Universal Studios logo. Well, it's just the Universal logo. Yeah. And we immediately get the title. The music comes in real hot on this title.
0: Yep. Another great score. This, if you didn't remember, it's the exact theme from Son of Frankenstein. Mm -mm. Son of Frankenstein was composed by Frank Skinner with Hans J. Salter uh, arranging it. Mm -hmm. Hans J. Salter is the only one that gets the credit in this movie, though. Why? Uh, I think because he did it with Frank Skinner. And then he took those arrangements with some new music and made the score for this movie.
1: Oh, okay. So the credits are over a Temple Ruin, which I put down Mayan. There's something very odd about what they've decided to go with. Mm -hmm. Like the production value on this is much, it's weird. I feel like it's lower, but at the same time, there's like some really good sets in this movie.
0: And the reason for that, uh, I might as well tell you now. Yes? They used leftover sets from previous movies. Oh. So they didn't really build that giant temple. There was just a, a movie already made oh. using that.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> There's a man praying slash casting a spell. And what he's saying is that whoever defiles the temple will be cursed for eternity. Who shall defile the temples of the ancient gods? A cruel and violent death shall be his fate and never shall his soul. Find rest unto eternity. And praise to Al- al Munra, al King of all gods. So we start off with this man, pretty much like, is he casting a curse or is he just kind of stating that we know there's a curse? I think he's casting the curse or I guess later on we find out that he's extending the
0: curse. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird. Uh, we're kind of being vague right now because we haven't gotten into the story, but it's almost not a curse curse it's just it's the curse just seems like a weird word for it for
1: stating the fact
0: yeah they're just uh why
1: does curse seem like a weird word
0: because who's the curse on is the curse on
1: everybody yeah every the per, the curse is on whoever defiles the temple
0: well i guess that's true so is it but, like
1: a protection spell
0: maybe uh, uh yeah i guess so yeah you're right
1: i think they're just cursing everybody
0: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we're at a train station and we find out that we are in Cairo, Egypt, which (laughs) you would not know from any of the landscape. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. I've never been to Cairo, so I cannot comment actually on that.
0: Well, I I will say in in the upcoming scene of traveling through the desert, Mm -hmm. that looks pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before that, it's very hilly. It's Mm -hmm. very abundant with plants. Yeah. And there's perhaps a Mayan ruin. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. A man arrives. He arrives to the station and takes a journey on Camelback, and we see the opening credit temple again.
0: I like this footage that they shot of the camel. It's the universal backlot, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it does a decent job looking like Egypt in those shots. Well, well I um, disagree. <laughs> but the shot of the temple, yeah, that doesn't seem like anything that could ever be in Egypt. but. It's so high up. There's so many stairs. It's really neat.
1: There really is. He enters uh, the temple into the throne room where we saw the man earlier in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's the high priest and he is dying.
0: Yeah, he's very old and very shaky.
1: He He has summoned this man and he is handing over to him a secret. It turns out that this older man is a high priest who has been guarding this temple. He's uh, the high priest of Kamak? Karnak. Buh, that's my notes look weird. The high <laughs> priest of Karnak.
0: Yeah, and that's not the Johnny Carson character.
1: May the sands of the Kalahari never clog your body's vital openings.
0: <laughs> that's why it seems
1: so familiar. All right, that makes sense. I was like, why have I heard that before? The
0: mummy Minatutu. At night, what is? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
1: I really thought that was a joke. I'm like, wow, I didn't know you were so committed to Johnny Carson. No. Um, <laughs> um, He shows the man a vision, a vision pool, and in it we see a bunch of footage from the first Mummy movie.
0: Yeah, this is pretty neat, and they use a similar effect to when they looked into the pool in the first movie. Love it. And yeah, it's lots of footage that was shot for the mummy. In the long shots, it is Boris Karloff. But then as we cut closer, it's a new
1: character. Yes. The story is about Ananka and um, her burial and entombment, as well as uh, Karis, a man who was in love with her. Eric Karis. Uh, he uh, breaks into uh, Isis's tomb and steals Tana leaves to bring her back. He gets caught by the guards and is buried alive as punishment. He's buried alive, but alone in a remote spot with a a great quantity of Tana leaves. Also, everyone who buries him gets murdered. Mm -hmm. So all the slaves and... Just like in the
0: first movie with uh, Imhotep. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same shots of the slaves getting murdered.
1: Oh, yeah, it is. We've seen these people get murdered so many times at this point. Later, priests move the body and they reburied it on the other side of the mountain that is attached to... The temple. The temple. Uh, So they move him to the other side, which is now guarded by the priest. So he's cursed and he will bring death to anyone who disturbs Ananka's tomb... And he's pretty much being kept alive by mm-hmm. the priests. And they're controlling him with these these leaves.
0: Yeah. And do you remember the formula?
1: Um, yes, I do. I wrote it down, actually. So I don't remember, but I do have it here. He directs the younger man to a box of leaves and tells him that every full moon, they must feed him the leaves to keep him alive. But only nine leaves. Um, never more than nine, or he will become uncontrollable and a killing machine.
0: Yes, uh, there's one little thing you left out, which is
1: oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is they brew three leaves to keep him alive all these years. Ah, uh, nine leaves to give him uh, movement, so he could do their bidding. So when we see Karis throughout the movie, that's him with nine leaves during a full moon.
1: Gotcha. Thank you. Should unbelievers seek to desecrate the tomb of Ananka, you will use nine leaves each night to give life a moment to caress. The high priest hands over the he has a medallion that he wears.
0: A neat looking medallion. Uh, By the way, I just wanted to mention mm -hmm. um, the high priest is passing this off to a character named Andoheb. I'm, I'm very bad at saying this guy's name. Andoheb. A-N-D-O-H-E-B. And he's played by George Zuko, who is a staple of old horror pictures.
1: Is he related to Danny Zuko?
0: Who's Danny Zuko?
1: Are you, wait, what?
0: I know Dr. Zuko.
1: It's he, automatic, hydromatic. It's Grease Lightning. Go, 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 go. No? Grease? Oh, yeah, Grease. It's John Travolta's character in Grease. Oh, <laughs> Danny Zuko. I don't remember Grease very well. <laughs> Wow. Well, okay. <laughs>
0: so around this time, do you remember the um, the little Dracula reference? It's a full moon, and they talk about the baying of the wolves, and the high priest says, "Children of the night." Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Children of the night, they howl about the hill of the seven jackals. He makes the young man pledge, the younger man, pledge to uphold the position, and then he dies. Now we're in the city and there's a man running around looking for a gentleman named Steve. This dude's name is Babe, which I thought um, was not actually his first name, but it seems like that is what he's called. It's Babe. Mm-hmm. He's hoping to go home. Steve says uh, that they aren't going home yet. He was let go from the Cairo Museum and he's just looking for his next I don't know. He's Well, we find out later that he's looking for the temple of Ananka.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this character uh, that we meet is named Steve Banning. Yes. And he's like an adventurous archaeologist. Yeah, yeah. He's sort of Indiana Jones-ish without the fun (laughs) or the charm of indie He's like
1: a predecessor to Indiana Jones. He
0: could be. I mean, if he was wearing the indie outfit, maybe that would change my mind. Um,
1: I think we get too much of his... We get more of his personality too late in the movie.
0: Yeah, that might be true.
1: Like, it's just... I don't think that the character of Babe is necessary in this movie.
0: No, and that's a thing. He's the comic relief of the movie, Babe.
1: They could have totally just, like shaved off some of that and yeah. kind of put it into Steve's character to just round him out a little bit more
0: they really could have and you know there are several movies of the early 40s that had these comic relief characters like real comedians they'd put into horror movies because they felt or like, like
1: Una O'Connor
0: yeah but even more so than her like like just jokes that would be said like the whole thing with mm. the rock we later find out you know yeah um Oh, that was annoying. (laughs) I think they realized that people weren't going too crazy for that mixture of that amount of humor and these horror movies, so they, they kinda stopped doing it eventually.
1: Yeah, there's no payoff to some of the things that Babe builds up to, to the point where I actually didn't write down a lot of what Babe was doing. Yeah. So I have very little Babe coverage in this.
0: That's okay. Yeah. Babe is a character that's not terribly important except for at the end.
1: Yeah, I guess. So Uh, So they're in a marketplace, and Steve finds a vase being sold by one of the merchants. Who, you asked me, and I nailed it.
0: Yeah, who was it?
1: He was in the Frankenstein movies.
0: Yeah, he was Maria's father in the original Frankenstein. And he was in uh, Son of Frankenstein as uh, one of the people that hanged Igor.
1: Yeah. So he uses the last of Babe's money to purchase this vase.
0: 75. It is as if I am being robbed.
1: You're being robbed. They take it to the Cairo Museum to have it examined by a former colleague that is still there. The vase contains the location of Ananka's tomb. The professor or colleague that they're talking to says that they should go talk to Professor Andoheb, who turns out to be, like you said, the high priest that we saw earlier, the new high priest that we saw earlier in the right. movie. They want him to verify the vase, and he calls it a clever fake, which Steve immediately disagrees with. You
0: see, we thought what? that... Without doubt, it's one of the cleverest imitations I have
1: ever seen. Imitation.
0: Babe especially is upset uh, that it was called a fake because they spent $75 on this vase.
1: And that was their last monies.
0: Yeah. How much do you think $75 in 1940 would be today?
1: I'd say a few hundred. I mean, let's see. Um, it's over $1,300.
0: Jeez.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I'd be real pissed too.
0: That's an expensive
1: vase. <laughs> so, if it were
0: cheaper, it'd be a vase. But because it's expensive, it's a vase.
1: Well, not so much of a vocal fry on that. It's just a vase. <laughs> um, Steve disagrees. And uh, from here, we get a little bit of exposition regarding the uh, Hills of the Seven Jackals, that it's a dangerous place, and two other expeditions have been lost there. Steve... Wants to go there, and uh, since the professor said that it's a fake, the museum will not fund the expedition. Um, so he says that he'll find the funding somewhere else. The professor then suddenly drops the vase.
0: I'm so sorry. You must allow me to pay for my extraordinary clumsiness. Well, I should hope to tell you.
1: That beautiful thing cost us $75, $150. Steve is super upset and he leaves with the pieces. I did then note something that, had hap- that happened earlier because then that actually did come into play. Mm-hmm. When they were in the market, there was a beggar. Yeah. Arms, arms for a poor unfortunate. This beggar, once the gentlemen leave from the room, from the professor this beggar shows up and yeah. it turns out that he is a spy for the professor
0: yeah doing his bidding
1: yes steve and babe and the other doctor professor all want to continue and uh, they want to find this tomb a little while later babe is at a bar doing like these card tricks
0: he's trying to uh win bets yeah win people's money using magic yes
1: steve meanwhile is determined to find the tomb Um, While they're kind of just going back and forth, a man arrives and Babe thinks that he can convince him to fund the expedition. Uh, This man looks like he has money.
0: Yeah. Do you remember what Babe said when he entered the bar?
1: No. Uh Uh-oh. Look, there is a Santa Claus. (laughs) Um, He tries the card trick on him. And while he's doing it, I believe Steve looks over and sees... That this man is a magician.
0: He looks over at a poster on the wall uh, advertising his magic act. And his name is...
1: Uh, Salvani.
0: Salvani, the magician.
1: Yes. Um, his name is Tim Sullivan, but he goes by Salvani. So once it's revealed that this man is a magician, they end up getting along famously. Meanwhile, the beggar person is creeping around yeah. in the background.
0: But this Salvani character, I really like this character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you recognize the actor? No. That is Cecil Kellaway, mm-hmm. And he was that very smart cop that was in The Invisible Man Returns that told Strategic Hardwick to blow the smoke out of his cigar.
1: Oh, gotcha. Okay. So we find out that um, Silvani is planning to go back home. Here, Steve and Babe tell him about Ananka's tomb. And of course... Like I mentioned before, the beggar is there. So he overhears all of these plans that they have.
0: We've stumbled on something that's going to make us rich and
1: famous. Here in Egypt? Yes. In a certain section of the mountains lies an undiscovered tomb of an ancient Egyptian princess named Nananka. Then we cut to the professor who goes to visit Martha Silvani, um, who is the daughter of Tim. Marta. Oh, sorry. Marta she's packing up to leave Cairo. The professor tells her that it's good that she's leaving, and tells her that her father was approached to finance a fake expedition. Um, she says that that's impossible and that they're going to be leaving in a few days.
0: My father you mean that someone's trying to swindle him into financing a fake expedition precisely
1: we're back at the bar and steve tim and babe are um, signing a contract to fund the expedition they go to toast and one of the locals ends up causing a fight between them Um, it turns out that earlier this man had spoken to the beggar spy Mm -hmm. and is there to ruin their party.
0: It's kind of weird how fast word is traveling. Like how long were they at this bar because there had to be time for the beggar to leave, go tell George Zuko, Zuko to confront Marta, Zuko to go tell the beggar to kill him, the beggar to tell the guy to kill him. It's like, (laughs) it's a lot to happen (laughs) in a short (laughs) amount of time. I guess they had to read over that contract very carefully.
1: I guess so. Or maybe they had telephones
0: remember that contract uh, has a
1: (laughs) are you going to ignore my comments (laughs) (laughs)
0: telephones (laughs) you know what you're right (laughs) (laughs) what's funny is uh, when the guy attacks them and there's the big fight (laughs) remember the bartender how he's freaking out Mm -hmm. he just yells like help police
1: help (laughs) police help (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so the men uh, flee the bar and Tim arrives back to his daughter, Marta, and tells her about the expedition. She tells him that it's a fake expedition and he tells her that he already gave them all of their money. So this was the last of their money that they had also to leave the country. Mm-hmm. He shows her the contract and she tells them that they're crooks. She then reads the contract letterhead and sees that they're staying at the Cairo Hotel. She
0: Yeah, and if you look carefully, it has a date of May 12th, 1940. Mm-hmm. So this is a uh, current day of when the movie came out.
1: Yes. She then mentions that she's going to take the fake trick revolver over and go get their money back. Does she say fake? Yes! <laughs> she makes... Or
0: does she just say trick revolver?
1: Uh, I feel like... I don't know why I would have put the fake trick revolver... If she had not mentioned a fake trick revolver. Either way, if this is just a trick revolver or a fake revolver, my next note is she shoots a real gun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She does. Well, I think it's a real gun that is in their magic act. So they call it a trick gun.
1: (laughs) That makes no sense. I don't know. I'll fix them with my trick revolver. She arrives at the Cairo Hotel and she confronts Steve and Babe about them taking this monies from her dad again i had to really think back if babe was there um and i believe that he is correct because i don't have any notes on it i just completely ignored babe (laughs) it's okay (laughs) so um she's unarmed by steve um because she shoots at the door
0: yeah, I around like, him. I like when she uh, is approaching him with the gun. He's basically calling her out that she doesn't know how to use a gun and all that. And she does this really nice thing where she uses the nozzle of the gun to tip her hat up and then she looks at the door and she starts shooting at the door and she makes the shape of a heart. with all. So that's why I think it's like a real gun used in their act because she is a marksman really creating uh-huh. symbols a heart shape with Her shooting skills. Hey, you do all right with that cannon, don't you? I've
1: been making my living with it since I was seven.
0: I actually like Marta a lot. I think she she has some good spunk in her.
1: Oh, yeah. I think she's good. She's a solid character. Mm -hmm. She's not as in distress as other characters. Yeah. And I'll say it now. There's no bad guy pretending to be a good guy that's trying to steal her away. There's just a bad guy being a bad guy. We already know flat out. It's not like a weird like friendship love train. It's not like Babe right. was like, mm-hmm, I love you, Marta. Alright. <laughs> they go on to tell her that they spent the money and they, they thought that her dad was wealthy. Uh they promised to give back his share and she says that she's going to go with him with them. She leaves They're and, not
0: they're not too happy about that.
1: No, they're not.
0: Her babe really isn't. Uh now we're stuck with a babe.
1: As she's leaving, Steve comments that she is pretty. Now we're at the desert and we get a digging montage. Yeah,
0: there's some nice shots
1: here. Yeah. Tim, Marta, and the doctor are looking over the dig finds. Uh, They find beads and coins. And Marta is really just annoyed by all of this stuff. Shortly after, a worker finds the remains of a previous expedition from two years ago.
0: Yeah, because we it has been established already that people ha- that have done this expedition to this most dangerous part of Cairo mm-hmm. uh, have not returned.
1: Yes. This then freaks out the rest of the workers and they're all afraid. They won't help. So Steve decides that he wants to bury this expedition properly and like the digger's the workers do not want to have any part of this yeah meanwhile babe is setting up explosives on the hillside and um we hear this sudden explosion that's set off babe where are you wow what happened you all right i don't know i started to hook the
0: wire to the detonator to set off the dynamite and here i am
1: it unearths an unholy tomb is what the translator says when <laughs> when they read the little plaque there. <laughs> um, so uh, the workers now will not touch it and they all run away.
0: Yeah, they know better.
1: From here, we get like a pan up and we see uh, the professor and his spy um, are watching. Yeah, the beggar. When uh, they break open the seal. Mm-hmm. Steve and the gang end up going in. Uh, they uncover a tomb and they open it. It's uh, Karis's, but... They were expecting Ananka and gold and jewels. So it's a very barren tomb. It's just, it's like what we saw in the first movie with the sarcophagus, Mm -hmm. and that's it.
0: I love the the first shot of seeing Karis the mummy. Hmm. Uh, It's a shot where they open the sarcophagus and you don't really see what's inside you just see their reaction and then marta just looks away in horror gives like a little scream and the music is great finally revealing the mummy as the camera pans over to him it's really good yeah and he looks great
1: steve and the doctor are examining the mummy and it feels uh, they comment that the tissue on it feels like it's living tissue feels like living tissue exactly and they also find a giant vase full of tanna leaves. The foreman of uh, the digger workers has returned without the work- workers, and he says that they won't come. He comments that the hills are full are filled with death, and he has to leave as well. There is death in the hills, Fanny. Those are evil spirits. They came to howl about the unholy grave you have opened. But he doesn't, so it, that was a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor is in Karis's tomb and is surprised by the professor. Professor Handweb, where, where did you come from? He calls him out for discrediting the vase earlier. And the professor tells him that he will show him what is in the tomb. He then goes to feed leaves to the mummy and makes the doctor observe that the, that the mummy has a pulse. Why, it's a pulse beat. Why, this is absurd. It's, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, so those are the the three Tana leaves to mm-hmm. keep him alive. Uh huh. Then he has a vial filled with nine.
1: Yes. Um, the mummy awakens and strangles the doctor. The professor oh. vows that he's going to kill everybody.
0: Yeah, it's a good scene, uh, this kill scene. It is. It's just uh, the hand just comes to life and it chokes him.
1: Which is unfortunate, because I do like the
0: doctor. Yeah, he's a good guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Babe and Steve find the dead doctor. The professor is talking to his beggar spy. (laughs) Sorry, I want to call him spy, but I'm like, I guess beggar spy is what he is. (laughs) Um, To put a vial of the tana leaves into one of the tents of the unbelievers, is Mm -hmm. what he calls them. Yeah.
0: You will place this vial of tana fluid in the tent of one of the unbelievers.
1: Then the professor goes and commands the mummy to kill whoever he finds with the little vial. Yeah,
0: basically, he's going to kill whoever's in his way. And the professor is putting the vial in places where he knows the people he wants to kill will be in the way. Yes. I really like this scene with the mummy. You see him just standing there with his crooked arm and all that. And he has one arm that's not usable and he has a leg that's not usable he he drags his left leg and they talk about that if he gets enough ton of fluid, it'll give him use of his limbs again of all of his limbs mm-hmm. so we know this isn't a fully restored mummy
1: no he they comment that he needs it to be whole again yeah. and we do like see that he has very limited mobility
0: you would like to have the use of that leg and that arm to do so you need more of the fluid
1: Now we cut back to Marta, who is trying to figure out what the missing piece of the vase, because the vase was originally missing a little piece to Mm. it. It says that Ananka's tomb has to be connected to the tomb that they just unearthed. Yeah. The foreman that we had talked about earlier, his name is Ali, Ali. He hasn't left yet, so he's standing guard. But the others are trying to find a connected passageway. He's at the camp where the beggar spy plants a vial. And of course, here comes the mummy. And he kills he kills him in a tent.
0: Yeah. It's a very nicely paced scene where you see the shadow of the mummy and all that. Mm-hmm. And the music's really great. And then when you finally see the mummy, he has those blacked out eyes. Mm-hmm. It's a really neat effect. They, for whatever reason, just made his eyes all black uh in post-production
1: it works great because they we don't have to see it over and over again mm-hmm. you just get it from that one very menacing shot yeah it was very effective yeah the tana leaf urn face is now completely empty and the men so i gather that steve and babe have been digging They decide that they're going to go back to camp and they find that the foreman is missing. So they go looking for him and they find him in Marta's tent, Mm -hmm. dead.
0: With what on his throat? Uh, I don't know. Gray streaks.
1: Oh, that's right. They notice that um, his throat has gray streaks, the same as the doctor. So they deduce that they have the same killer.
0: Yep. Look, those gray streaks on his throat. Yeah,
1: just like on Petrie's. Marta is scared and the men are uneasy as well. They plan to leave in the morning. While they're doing this, the, the spy, the beggar spy, plants another bottle of tanna leaves in Steve's tent.
0: Yeah, I, I love that he's just running around leaving mummy juice all around.
1: <laughs> um, Speaking of mummy juice, do you remember, I believe this may have been last year, maybe, 2019. I have no idea. Was it 2018? Do you remember sarcophagus juice? No. <gasps> There was a sarcophagus that was unearthed, and when they opened it up, there was a bunch of liquid inside, and people were trying to get them to let them drink it. <laughs> I, don't know, I
0: don't know what Karis would have to say about that.
1: Yeah, I think there's a whole petition. People wanted that, that sarcophagus juice.
0: Karis probably wouldn't have anything to say since they cut out his tongue, which we didn't mention.
1: Oh, yeah. We did not mention it. <laughs> So we now find out that Martha likes Steve and she wants Steve to be safe and wants him to come back to the U.S. with them. She kisses him and then goes into the tent. He's told her and her dad to go into his tent.
0: And this whole time, Babe is outside practicing his magic act.
1: Which does not come in handy at all. So
0: Silvani taught him, I mean, it's such an easy, stupid trick that everyone would know. Basically, uh, the magician had a rock in his hands and he pretends to put it in his mouth and swallow it and then open up his mouth. Nothing's in there. And then he reaches behind Babe's ear and takes the rock. Mm-hmm. so he just pretended to put it in his mouth. He didn't really. Well, stupid babe, he keeps thinking he really swallowed the rock, so he, so there's several scenes of him choking on this rock
1: trying to swallow it. <laughs> Again, real dumb, and there's no payoff to this scene. Babe! Babe! What's the matter? I was oh, yeah. practicing my rock trick. It's very annoying. Um... Marta is now talking to her dad and says that there's something that they can't stop and don't understand in the cave. So at this point, they haven't seen the mummy walking around. But I believe at this point, they know that the mummy is not in the sarcophagus anymore.
0: They know when they find the dead doctor, uh, the mummy's gone. So they yeah. know someone had to take him. Someone did yeah. something. And, well, you know,
1: a little while later, the mummy walks into the tent for his bottle and... And Tim sees him, which winds up getting him attacked by the mummy.
0: Yeah, Sylvani. Yes. Um, I was very worried for him. I didn't want I wanna,
1: was too. You know, I,
0: I, <laughs> I know this movie somewhat well, but I couldn't remember if he died or not.
1: <laughs> um, Marta uh, wakes up and screams and, of course, faints. She ends up getting kidnapped by the mummy. And the mummy takes her to uh, the cave. Babe and Steve chase after, but then have to go back to the camp um where they find the spy
0: yeah
1: he tries to hide and attacks them and they shoot him dead um he has the map medallion that the um that the the high priest had Mm -hmm. it confirms here that there is a, uh, a secret passage and they decide to split up so one goes through the passage and one goes through the front yeah. The mummy is carrying Marta into the tomb, which is this very large, elaborate set, which yeah. apparently belonged to another movie.
0: Yes. Uh, I'll tell you the movie afterwards.
1: Okay. It's a really great set, um, which kind of bugs me out that they wouldn't just make it for this movie, but it is a good set. So I'm glad it got some use to it.
0: Yeah. And, and the set itself doesn't look too Mayan once you're inside.
1: No. Yeah. This looks appropriate. Yeah. He puts Marta on the on an altar that's set up in the middle of this room. The professor tells him that there's more Tana leaves uh, waiting for him and to go. He ties up Marta, and suddenly he makes up this plan to make them both immortal.
0: You're very beautiful. So beautiful, I'm going to make you immortal. Like Caris. you will live forever. Yeah, you know, this is a big problem with the mummy movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find out in the next mummy movies we watch, because there are sequels to this movie, each one has a high priest, a new high priest. Of course. And each one of them falls in love with a girl. Uh-huh. And it's like out of nowhere. It doesn't make really make sense.
1: Yeah, no. And I just feel like he's fitting the, the little mold, the little steps. Like, you are a bad guy, and you do this, and this, and this. And now there's a woman involved, so you're going to do this. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just found that I was like, both? Sure, whatever. So uh, I put, and she'll be his high priestess. What? With a bunch of question marks. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're back at the cave. And Steve is reading a set of hieroglyphics and is reading about the curse. Uh-huh. Um, I said I thought he was looking for the passageway, but okay. He has <laughs> to just like read.
0: Well, he's trying to find out where the secret entrance is.
1: Well, he's reading, though. He's not looking.
0: Well, maybe the that'll give him a hint.
1: I guess so. <laughs> the mummy then goes back to the cave. How long has he been? How far is this cave away? How long has he been reading all of these hieroglyphics? <laughs> Enough for the slowest mummy ever to arrive. It's a variant. There is a lot of time. <laughs> this movie definitely has time issues. So I put mummy goes back to cave. Steve finds passageway. Babe is now at the temple ruins, and he shoots at the jackal, which uh, actually uh, warns the professor that someone is there.
0: Yes. So in the previous scene, the the professor is has his plan for Marta that he's mm-hmm, going to mm-hmm. turn her immortal, and then himself. And the plan is to inject her with tonally fluid. Yes. So he has it. And he's about to inject her, but then Babe shows up and shoots that jackal. Uh-huh. Then we see him put that syringe away, the syringe away of tonally fluid. Okay. And he pulls out a gun. and yes. And Marta is passed out. Yes. So you asked me, did he inject her with it? Yes. Because if he injects her with it, you know, that's going to kill her and make her immortal. Uh-huh. As we'll see, she did not get injected with it, but... There are some theories that she did, and I think that that was an original intention, that they did shoot it where she did, because when they cut back to him after Babe shoots the jackal, the Mm -hmm. syringe is empty, Mm -hmm. and she is loose from her restraints now, and passed out. Mm. So I think maybe he really did inject her with it. Mm -hmm. But as we come to see, they changed the story.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean... on brand for these movies so the professor runs out of the temple and has a shootout with babe he gets shot and falls down all of these steps
0: yeah he falls down a million (laughs) steps and it's such an obvious stunt double george Zuko, who plays that professor is bald the stunt double had black hair
1: he warns babe that the mummy about the mummy and that he'll drink all the tanna juice at this point i have just call it tanna juice i like to call it mummy soup okay and will become unstoppable
0: if you were to kill me you would leave at large a monster whom only i can control
1: he says isis forgives me and dies
0: yep mighty isis forgive me
1: i put down that babe is wounded yeah. Steve is now walking through the passageway, and he's being uh, followed. Yeah. He finds Marta and tries to untie her, but the mummy arrives. She tells him to keep him away from the uh, the boiling tana mummy juice. He's after tana food.
0: That's what must be in this vial.
1: But there's a little, like, cauldron. Yeah. Right? Over a little tiny fire.
0: Yeah, some bubbling mummy soup. Yeah.
1: And they fight. Babe arrives and tries to stop well, the mummy.
0: Yeah, it's funny because uh, Steve is shooting him a bunch of times and it's doing nothing. And then the mummy uh, does one last lunge at him, again with the blacked out eyes, mm-hmm. and strangles him and then just throws him away to get at the mummy juice. Yes. Then Babe arrives.
1: Um, He tries to stop the mummy who drops the fluid that he's trying to And um, he starts to try to drink it off the ground.
0: Yeah. Marta tells Babe, don't let him get to that mummy juice. Mm -hmm. So Babe shoots, shoots it out of his hands. So he drops the juice. And yeah, he gets (laughs) on the ground, starts slurping it up.
1: Sorry, I think it's very funny that we keep referring to this as juice. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's juice and soup. Pass me some of that mummy juice. Steve sets fire to the mummy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they figure bullets don't work. Maybe fire will.
1: Yeah. And then I put Babe and Steve faint.
0: No, Babe and Marta.
1: Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, how's Marta going to get out of there? Oh, it's just like a
0: woman when a shooting is all over and everything is taken, they pass
1: out. Huh? Huh? Sometime later, they are back in the marketplace and Marta stops Steve from buying another vase. They are all now going home,
0: and they're going home rich.
1: They are the. <laughs> they
0: have all the stuff from the tomb, and the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the end of the uh, Brendan Fraser Bummy. <laughs> Is it? Remember, they're walking. They're on the camel, and and they had some gold left over that I, shined. And mm-hmm. uh, so, what do you think?
1: Uh, it's okay.
0: Um,
1: I liked a lot more of it. I liked more than I was expecting. I would enjoy. Yeah. Um, I don't care for Babe. Yeah. I just there's no payoff to his character.
0: I don't like Babe either. I do love the mummy. I love the way he looks. Um,
1: I like the mummy. I like the villain. I like Steve is fine. I don't love uh, him. He's whatever. Martha's yeah. great. Tim is great.
0: Did you like this better than the Boris Karloff mummy?
1: Hmm know i don't for some reason i'm not relating them
0: yeah i don't know if i like it more than the boris karloff one but i like that we get more mummy in this
1: yeah we like, do we do have a lot more mummy <gasps> uh,
0: unfortunately it's not enough for me like we don't get to see the mummy until like 45 minutes into the movie i
1: know but it's still like 20 times more mummy than the other
0: movie yeah even though it has its issues i do really like it and you know I grew up watching this movie, but I don't remember it all that well because I would only watch the mummy scenes, really. Mm, like exactly. the ending the ending scene where he eats the soup off the floor. That's, uh-huh. that's one of my favorite scenes in monster movie history. I <laughs> love that scene so much. I wanted to mention the temple. Mm-hmm. So Princess Ananka's temple, no one's been able to find it. It's been so hard. They... Accidentally find it in that explosion, you know, when they're searching the area. Are you telling me all they had to do was go on the other side of the mountain? I see giant stairs at a giant Aztec temple head, and that would have been
1: the entrance right there? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> so why was it
1: so hard to find? <laughs> like, that, that temple should not have been hard to find yeah. the other temple that they had to blow a hole yeah, on the side away from. Yeah, that it's easy to
0: hard. find Princess Anaka, not yeah, Karis. Yeah. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> should have been the other way around.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well. Uh, you want to hear some fun facts about the mummy's hand? Please. Okay. The Mummy's Hand. I don't have a ton of information on The Mummy's Hand, mm-hmm. but I'll give you the few things I know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One, this is Karis's first appearance. This is a sequel to the Boris Karloff movie, even though it has nothing to do with that storyline. Yeah. So basically, this is uh, sort of a reboot, I guess.
1: I suppose.
0: Uh, but this spawned three sequels in itself. So we'll meet Karis again three other times.
1: Oh, wow. But we never meet Emotep again?
0: No. So why don't we uh, run down the cast real quick? Please. As Steve Banning, we have Dick Foran. Have you heard of Dick Foran? <laughs> no. <laughs> he was a Western star. Mm-hmm. I don't know much else with him, except he is in The Mummy's Tomb, mm-hmm. which is the next Mummy movie. Mm-hmm. Peggy Moran plays Barta. She was also in Horror Island, which was a 1940s horror movie by Universal. Mm hmm. Then we have Wallace Ford as Babe. He was the comic relief of the movie, uh, but he was actually in the movie Freaks in a pretty big role. And I love Freaks. I do not. Yeah, he was really good in that. And he also returns to The Mummy's Tomb. Hmm. Then we have George Zuko as the professor. And I told you he's in a bunch of stuff. Um, I don't even know where to begin because he's he's been in so many monster movies. Uh, he was in The Monster and the Girl. He also returns to The Mummy's Tomb. Which you might ask why, since he was shot and fell down all those stairs. Yeah. He was in Return of the Ape Man. He's also in The Mummy's Ghost. He's in House of Frankenstein as Professor Lampini. Is he
1: playing all of the same characters in all these mummy movies?
0: You'll have to wait and see. Oh, my God. I I didn't really pay attention while I was watching this movie because I didn't remember this fact until after we watched it. But he I think he always tries to hide one of his hands because I think he lost the use of two fingers in World War One. Uh-huh. So I think he, like one of his hands doesn't move very well or something. Hmm. Uh, I'll have to look for that next time. We have Eduardo Chianelli as the original high priest. Oh, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. But actually, he was on an episode of Isle of Lucy, I think. Let me double check this. Yeah, he was Mr. Martinelli in the episode of Isle of Lucy, where she uh, works at the, the pizza shop and oh. flips the pizza. Oh, okay. We have Cecil Calloway again, who was in The Invisible Man Returns. He plays Salvani, And then I want to mention The Mummy himself. The Mummy was played by Western star and star of serial pictures named Tom Tyler. Have you heard of him? Nope. I only know him from The Mummy because I'm not a big Western person. But he was chosen solely because he sort of resembled Boris Karloff and he could be used to match up with Boris in that stock footage sequence. Okay. But he's also a Western star and, and, and is a... You know, a massive guy that could do stunts and things like that. Mm -hmm. He also was a professional weightlifter, and he had to carry Peggy Moran throughout this whole thing. Jack Pierce, again, did the makeup for The Mummy, another incredible job. I mean, you know, he did The Mummy in the Boris Karloff one, and this one is, I think, just as good as as when Boris was The Mummy. Agreed. The thing, though, is that he only made up The Mummy's face for one day of shooting. For all the close-ups. But all the medium to wide shots, he's actually wearing a mask. Oh. Which a lot of people think that Jack Pierce didn't use rubber in his lifetime. And that's kind of why he was booted from the studio. Uh-huh. But he actually did use rubber a little bit. He used it for these mummy masks. Uh, for not only this one, but the other ones. And also the wolf man had a rubber nose. Okay. And then I just wanted to mention the set. I told you that the big temple of Ananka was used was made for another movie Mm -hmm. and that was made for a movie that came out in 1940 by universal called green hell a douglas fairbanks movie directed by james whale oh who directed frankenstein bride and uh, the invisible man
1: Uh uh-huh
0: i actually haven't seen that movie but um vincent price has a role in it the movie green hell it's uh, a movie about when i read the synopsis from imdb mm-hmm. a group of adventurers head deep into a south american jungle in search of ancient Incan and treasure a beautiful woman brought to their camp by hired bears has come to join her husband a newer member of the group who was recently killed by hostile natives as the months go by, jealousies and tempers flare as fights break out over the woman. The ink and treasure is finally found, but the treasure seekers, now united by a common enemy, are about to be attacked by hundreds of fierce natives armed with bows and poisoned arrows. Green hell. <laughs> yeah,
1: hard pass on that one.
0: The Mummy's Hand came out September 20th, 1940. hmm it's celebrating an anniversary this year. Mm-hmm. How old?
1: Eighty. <laughs> I thought we were in the year two thousand for a very short, <laughs> like for the millimist of, of seconds.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: So the mummy's
0: hand was uh, very successful, actually, and it. Uh, As I told you, spawned several sequels. So we will meet the mummy again in the mummy's tomb, the Mm -hmm. mummy's ghost, and the mummy's curse. And finally, we will meet a mummy in Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy.
1: Oh, Uh, man, those Abbott and Costello movies. Yes,
0: we will get around to talking about all of those. All right. Well, shall we wrap this up?
1: I see what you did there. Like a mummy? I got it. I got it. So, uh, where can they find us, Cynthia? You can find us at podsandmonsters.com. On Instagram, we are Pods and Monsters Podcast. And on Twitter and the Book of Faces, we are Pods and Monsters. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. Share it on the social medias. Tell all your friends. We're apparently, like, on, like... If you look at film history podcasts on iTunes, we are on the first page as one of the popular podcasts. We're oh. very low on that on that list, but we're still on there, so that's super awesome. Yeah. Um, and we really appreciate um, the support. And also, I'm gonna throw this out there: if you want a sticker or two, slide into those DMs, <laughs> email us, and we'll send you a set of stickers.
0: That's right. To
1: your house or wherever you prefer to get your mail. <laughs> but yeah, don't forget, we have all of our movies up on our site, so you can no. watch along with us, and if you have any suggestions or want to leave us a comment, um, you can email us at podsandmonsters at gmail.com. Thank you, Anthea. Yeah, I'm never going to get that right. This should just be a canned <laughs> thing, but I will no, babble it's, forever.
0: No, it's more natural this way.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: For pots of Monsters, I'm Robert.
1: I'm Inthia.
0: And I would like to give the mummy's hand a mummy's hand.
1: Goodbye.
0: It's slow because I'm a mummy.
1: Goodbye.
0: It is better that you should go.